so we're recording and uh grant you're back you're still alive i i can see you over there yeah it's good to be with you good to see good to at least see people uh you know it's a strange world we're living in but it's good to see and be seen yeah what's um i guess we talked to you two weeks ago so what is what what's happened in the last two weeks let's start with uh what what did you think this two weeks was going to be like, and and what has it actually been like? Yeah, we um, we had a pretty good idea of uh, logistically what it would be like uh, as far as uh, takeout and delivery, since we do a, a decent. That was about ten or fifteen percent of our business pre COVID. Now, of course, it's a hundred percent. We didn't know, you know, what the sales levels would be, but we I mean, we found out pretty quick. Um, I think when we talked, I, I cited a 60 or 70% decline. And, and, um, that is pretty well held. Uh, our business is maybe slightly up uh, as other restaurants have closed, but it's pretty stable. Um, and then we get little pops of uh, whether it's a, a friend calling in an order, a big order, or a, uh, uh, you get, you know, we can talk about some of the, the hospitals and the groups that continue to do that, which, which has helped. But, um, logistically, you know, we, we kind of settled in and then, um, they, they went to, uh, a, a curbside only, which we were, we were pretty well there as well, you know, just keeping as many people outside of the building as possible. And so that's, that's Adrian, the, uh, Adrian Perkins, our mayor, and then followed by John Bell, the governor, uh, forced people as far as restaurants curbside only, which basically means only delivery drivers or employees to be in the building. And are do you are you uh, delivery drivers wise? Is that you said you're on basically every delivery platform, and is is are those uh, platforms are they are they all still maintaining or do the, is there any kind of bubble there? You know, and I, I haven't drilled down with a lot of other restaurant owners. For us, that number continues to grow um, as far as call in orders versus delivery. Um, from a financial perspective, you know, the delivery drivers take 30%, the delivery companies take 30% of every order. So you're certainly giving up more to them, but, uh, more and more people are, uh, using the delivery apps, getting used to them. I'm sure many citizens have used them for the first time. People like my parents, um, you know, non-millennials are, are almost being forced into, into using these more. So that becomes a greater and greater piece of pie. But uh, it's an easier transaction too. The, the customer, all the, the payment is is completely contactless. There is no payment; it's all digital. And then you get funds deposited into your bank account, to the restaurant bank account, either a day later or a week later, depending on the app. So there's some pluses and minuses to all that. But uh, for us, we were used to it, and uh, I uh, started selling toilet paper and paper towels uh, as of a couple weeks ago, and just. Uh, uh, put that on all my delivery apps so when customers are scrolling through the phone ordering a burger and fries, they can hit a button and order a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, I was going to say that's just on the – it goes right on the uh, little menu there. Yeah, I, I plugged it in all the menus, and I, I, I really haven't – I made a graphic and put it on our Facebook and advertised it a little, but it was really more of a just uh, spur-of-the-moment convenience uh, for these delivery apps and uh it's worked i mean we're selling uh 
you know, some days two or three, some days 10 or 12 rolls of paper towels and toilet paper, and it, it kind of goes up and down. It's a convenience, and it was also me seeing the pandemonium at these grocery stores and then seeing my, my shelf in the back of the house of the kitchen full of our normal stocking level of paper towels and toilet paper, which are now not being used because we have no diners, which means we have no paper towel usage and no toilet paper usage. So I said, well, I can at least sell what I've got uh, to the customers. And so that, that was just, a, I mean, you're seeing people just get super creative and some things will work and some things don't. And uh, as a, as a uh, restaurant guy, you just, uh, it, it's fun always to experiment. And so you're seeing experiment, experimentation go to the nth degree uh, these days. And that was just one little thing we did. Other restaurants have tried to set up makeshift grocery stores and, and uh, seeing that more in bigger cities that are more densely populated. But even in Shreveport, you're seeing that as well. Yeah, is it is there a um, uh, what's what's like the most creative thing that you've kind of seen locally? Blake Jackson, locally, Blake Jackson is uh, one of the most creative guys to start with, and so he uh, on, on many I've been on many conference calls as we all have, but especially with business owners, he's been on a few, and on every one, his his words of wisdom are always you know. Of all times, this is the time to not be afraid to try something new and crazy and off the wall. So um, he has uh, marinated on this idea of pen towels, P-I-N, rolling pen, uh, which is a, a gift basket that he was going to roll out later this year. And uh, because of COVID, he just put the hammer down and, and rolled it out and um, he, he has shipped many, many of those all around America and all around the city. That's been a great way for him to keep his bakery open. He came up with some crazy uh, Tiger King-themed uh, sweets and stuff, and uh, he's partnered with a uh, um, one of the uh, chefs uh, at one of these event venues that he's already partnered with, and they're doing some uh, pop-up Easter dinners, uh, taking orders for that. And so he, he has been really creative, uh, funny, but also successful in what he's done to try to uh, bring in new streams of revenue. How's Mr. Crawford doing over there? He's good. You know, uh, it is emotionally, it's hit uh, all, all of us hard. And, and uh, he's somebody like me who just kind of wears her emotions on her sleeve many times and, and really just cares about the employees, uh, you know, way more than, than caring about themselves. And uh, I know it, it, uh, it hit all of us hard trying to figure out how to maintain as high a staffing level as possible while also uh, maintaining the business itself. And so um, he had to, so downtown, every downtown in America, you know, has gradually been shut further and further down just due to the restrictions and offices. And so, he had to make a tough decision to shut down downtown Rhino. He was able to shift a few of those employees back to uptown Rhino where they're still um, open. And the logistics we were talking about earlier as far as curbside probably hit his business more than any other business in Shreveport when I think about it, just because um, the act of going into a coffee shop and ordering and taking out your cup of coffee um, was, was put to a stop. But he's pivoted, and, and he's got a pop-up tent up there off the line avenue, and, and all his, you know, he's a technology guy, guru, and so he's got just 
all kind of, you know, earpiece monitors and mobile payments and all kind of good stuff. And so I was there this morning and um, they had a lot of cars there, completely uh, curbside, completely contactless and, and uh, it, it's working well with just and is it at, is it, where is it located? Is it actually in, in like the, his lot or is it up on line? Yeah, it's in his parking lot, uh, kind of on the corner there at the, at the foot of that uh, ramp. And okay. so uh, he's, uh, he's had to add, you know, it's an interesting thing just from a business standpoint because it, it cost it caused him to, uh, to have to add employees uh, to just physically, you're physically running coffee and you're, you went from one point of sale on the, on the cashier side to multiple as you get those brushes of cars coming in together. And so that allowed him, though, to, um, to employ a few more people. Um, so it's funny how all that kind of works. Uh, you know, the star, every Starbucks in America that didn't have a drive-thru closed. So, um, you know, that Starbucks across the street from him closed. I'm sure that. Um, shifted some more customers this way. And so every business is its own little case study about uh, how this has been affected and competition and everything. We're all kind of figuring it out on our, on our own and just walking our way through it. And what's, uh, what's the, uh, what's happened to Jacqueline's? Yeah. Jacqueline's has been, um, normally a business of that size, which is not a big business lunch only, um, would have, would have, if it was a new business, uh, it, it, we, it wouldn't have lasted a week probably. But it's got customers that have been going there for 30-plus years. And so we have had customers who have come four or five days a week, two and three weeks straight, uh, who are just, you know, at the top of their mind, they're, they're trying to help. Uh, the, the few offices downtown that are still uh, working, the, the CPAs, I mean, this is still tax season, and so... We've had some big office orders for CPAs. And, um, I think we might have just gotten an order for one of the hospitals that uh, Kathy Ross and some of those folks at the 318 page are uh, coordinating. And so, um, you know, all it takes is one of those mid-sized orders a day really is enough to, to make it make sense to hit that threshold to at least stay open and pay for the food and, and the people. And so we've been lucky there to, uh, to continue to make that happen. Yeah, that's um, I because I'm you know I'm downtown and and you know I, I can walk from my house to my office in you know a minute and a half maybe, but I, you know I don't see anybody the Remington uh, over here the hotel I usually you know go through there and see people that's closed, um, you know I, I know from in my building there's some CPAs and stuff and I you know I see a couple people here and there in the you know, security guard and that kind of, but that's, that's basically the only people I'm seeing. Um, so I know lots of people are at home and working from home and, and doing that. And, um, you know, I've been, I, I haven't really, I think I went to the grocery Monday maybe. So I don't know, every four or five days I'll get to the grocery store and, but that's basically, you know, from from downtown, I don't have anywhere to you know locally grab anything, so I got to go, you know, get in the car and go. But um, I, I wonder if there's a way to maybe at the end of all this figure out a way to to get some of that delivery. Uh, maybe people will be more used to it because um, it'd be nice to get downtown. Um, I was going to ask you something else, uh, uh, Andrew. 
since we talked, you know, the, the federal, the, these PPP loans and everything, we talked about a lot. Now I'm, uh, I am, and, and most every other business owner I know are, are in the process at some point in that. Uh, last, I guess it was last Friday was the first day of implementation, and it was so stressful on the business owners and on the banks. Uh, I went through emotions of being mad at myself, mad at my banker, mad at the federal government, and then by the weekend um, and by Monday when it all kind of started to work itself out, you realize that everybody is in the same, kind of in the same boat and, and is trying their best to go in the right direction. And you really can't place blame on any body or any part of the government when you've got for example, the SBA process is 60,000 loans in a regular year. This year, they'll process 10 billion. I mean, how, how can you blame any stretch of anybody in that supply chain? Um, but what basically what happened was you've got this 350 billion that the government passed to fund this TPP program. And over last Wednesday and Thursday, I'm up at midnight watching these documents get uploaded to the Treasury web- website. And I'm trying to read and educate myself. And then Friday morning, this whole thing goes live and you've got literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of businesses across America are simultaneously trying to apply for this money. And the banks are caught flat-footed. They only had a a few hours in some cases of time to even have the regulations in front of them. Then they have to implement it. The business owners now are, at the same time, they're realizing that there's a potential for this pot of money to run out. And that's what you're seeing uh, today. Uh, the Democrats and Republicans in D.C. are back at a stalemate because they're trying to figure out they're negotiating with each other to um, to reinvest more money into this pot of money. But last week, we were all worried that the thing was going to run out. And am I going to be on the outside looking in? And that was a concern. And it was stressful to even apply because the applications kept changing. And uh, the uh They've got the SBA's eTran, which is the word of their portal, basically, that is set up to handle these couple thousand loans a month across America. And now you're having a couple thousand loans a minute filed into this thing. So it crashed. And But many local bankers worked over the weekend and late hours. And um, I heard from multiple people uh, as of today and yesterday that all their loans have been approved, uh, but the banks are still working with the SBA to figure out how to physically deposit funds on, on, on many banks. I have heard of one or two that actually have gotten funds, but it sounds like it's gradually working itself out and hopefully funds will be deposited to some of these businesses that are on a literal, you know, we talk about the day-by-day lifeline, and that's why the, the timing of all this is so crucial for, for those businesses that literally don't have the days to wait. Yeah, I know a couple of the businesses that I worked with, uh, they were working with Anika, um, which is, uh, you know, some local folks. And um, that process last week seemed, they they seemed to be pretty well on top of it. Um, I I talked to those guys at the bank today and, and... uh, the banker, the the lending guy, I knew was just couldn't say enough nice things about the the staff that he had working on that. He was like, these guys, without them, like they were here all night long, you know, yeah. exact doing exactly what you're saying is like they were reading, they're trying to make sure that we're, you know, our customers can get what they need when they need it with whatever regulations we have in front of us. That's how we're moving forward. And he's like, he was. Uh, 
I think he was kind of impressed that his his team was able to get you know all that stuff done. So, um, but it is it's definitely a, it's a different world out there today. So for sure. Um, but, uh, well, what do you think, what, what's going on? You know, it's, it's Easter, uh, you know, that kind of thing is happening. And it doesn't even see, I don't know what day it is anymore. I kind of get, get oh, confused. Yeah, I, scheduled a, I scheduled a Zoom meeting for tomorrow with some, some small business owners and uh, one of the state reps. And, and one, one guy said, well, I'm, I'm off for a good Friday. I'm like, oh, we totally forgot that was even a, a thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's not that, you know, Easter, it'll be interesting to see on the, on the restaurant side what it does. Uh, some restaurants, it's the slowest day of the year. Some restaurants, it's the busiest. Uh, for us, it's usually a slightly better Sunday than normal. Uh, I have no clue what that's going to look like. Uh, but uh, we, uh, I'm Jewish. We celebrated a Passover at my mom and dad's house last night, kind of a, 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 a certainly a scaled down version. It's usually a big, uh, a big dinner uh, when we do it at home with, with extended family and friend, family friends or, or at temple with multiple hundreds of people in, in, in our big room. And of course, none of that happened, but we all figured out a way how to make it work on a smaller, safer scale. And I'm sure Easter will be the same uh, across many of those households around the country. Uh, and and uh, the restaurants will still be there to, uh, to, to cater those dinners and lunch. Yeah, is there, um, have you heard, um, I know a lot of restaurants sort of did a couple, you know, basically what you said was going to happen kind of happened is like run as long as you can see it being worth doing. And then at some point you just realize like, hey, we're not set up to do this. This isn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to do it. And then, you know, you kind of shut it down or scale it to a point that does work. Have you, have you talked to anybody? Have you, is there any like good stories you, you heard or, or otherwise? Um, I think for many restaurants, I think there's many restaurants that closed just because they, they did the numbers. They gave it a good week or two. The numbers just didn't work. I think others, uh, genuinely were doing fine, but, um, could either couldn't figure out or just didn't want to continue the, the battle, the, the safety, issue food safety or not really food safety uh, this is not a foodborne illness uh, but just the safety of them between the employees and the customers and um, you know Key Mexico closed and, and I know I'm sure they could have stayed open you know uh, they, they seemed pretty busy but they were having to deal with really long lines just like Louders was dealing with long lines and and Boz at Maryland, Sunday brunch. We just, I mean, you're freaking turned into a McDonald's with 30 cars in your lot. And yeah. Dealing with that is whether it's financial or from the safety perspective, either way, something that I way totally understand, just, you know, not want to deal with. One thing that we are starting to see lesser of that was probably would not anticipated, at least in my mind, was restaurants that decided to close early, but now three weeks later deciding to open. Um, Superior Grill, uh, Pepito's is a New Mexican restaurant that we've all heard about that decided to open. Porchies Tacos opened and closed and reopened. Um, there's a couple chains on Uri I, I can't that are escaping me which ones they were, but they closed and, and reopened. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic. I would imagine a lot of that was um, was just a Cuban liquor 
is another. And I talked to Ron the other day. You know, a lot of these stores uh, closed and sanitized and kind of let the dust settle. Maybe look at other operators they respect around the country, around the state. And uh, and then you see the timeline you're dealing with. A lot of these places might have thought this was going to be a one- or two-week proposition, and now it's turned into a one- or two-month-plus proposition. And they say, well, we're going to – uh, we're going to try to open this thing on a limited basis and see how it goes. So that's been an interesting thing uh, that, that we didn't really talk a lot about early on with the stores that closed but then are reopening. Yeah, I, I spoke with some people early on in New Orleans, uh, some restaurant operators down there, and, and they kind of – I think they had some – sort of experience probably Katrina style, you know, hurricane experience. And they were like, look, we're going to shut down immediately. We're sending everybody home and saying, Hey, in three weeks, like, let's like, I think what we're going to do is we'll, we'll let everybody kind of let the dust settle and see what we can get done, but don't, don't do anything. Give us a, you know, a couple weeks. So we know, and then sort of, figured out which ones of their operations they could scale back up small, but then that also gave them the ability to, you know, focus their workers on what, you know, what, what we can do and what, and I spoke with Jason Brady. I don't know if you spoke with him, but I know Brian Landry had been uh, doing a lot of work to try and, um, fill in some jobs that which uh were basically work from home you got a computer with a headset like we can we can put you to work um you know for maybe that little stop gap between when things were open or closed um and i i spoke to jason two days ago and uh he said that they were still trying to work work on some of that stuff did, did you hear about any of that or have you talked do you have any insight yeah. on that he sent that to me um it's basically you know, telemedicine. Anybody with a with a computer, video, audio like we're on in a headset, uh, they would train you and uh, basically pre-screen uh, patients from anywhere in the country. I think, um, and, and so uh, it, it was designed. Or Brian Landry, that hospitality group in New Orleans, who had multiple restaurants and bars closed. They they got. I think it was his partners. Uh, her husband or a relative or somebody had it in in the hospital system. And so they were able to uh, establish a safety, a job safety net for a lot of their employees in the hospitality sector in New Orleans. Uh, and then um, Jason and was able to try to bring that up here to, you know, our bartenders or servers or whatever. These are smart people with great personalities that are out of work. And so um, if they've got a computer and a headset, they can leverage that uh, in a different field and start making, um, I forget the dollar amount, but I will say it was like 20 bucks plus an hour. Yeah, I, yeah I think I saw 16 to 20, something, something like that, which is, you know, especially if, if you, you can't do your normal job, you know, maybe that's, is there, is the other than that, are there any other things you've heard about that are similar for, for that, you know, for, because I, I think some of that, the concern there is, you know, if you take a, a person whose normal, you know, job is, you know, to work in this restaurant and then you, you put them out of work for a month, they're going to have to go and find something else to do. And then you're going to, you're going to lose that person that you've trained to, to, you know, run your facility and have to retrain somebody when you do reopen. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. I think this is, uh, there may be some of these employees who are just done with the hospitality sector and want to, you know, not go back in it. But I think most will, given the opportunity, uh, will want to come back. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, coming back uh, when it's safe and, and coming, and not just safe from the virus standpoint, but safe for the business to reopen and give them that, um, give them the hours that they had and, and the tips that they were getting. I mean, the, the tips thing is a very, in, in the industry, tips has been a big discussion. Uh, Danny Meyer in New York and a lot of restaurateurs have, have had kind of experimenting with eliminating tips and, and uh, increasing service charges and things. But the other side of this is just the, the fact that a, a waiter or bartender is making 90 plus percent of their income on tips. And so, when they come back, that, that revenue, that, that restaurant volume has to be there for it to make sense for them to, to get back to where their paychecks were. And so that's why it's so crucial to uh, reopening is important, but we have to be able to reopen in an economy that support what that volume was. And I think that's the big question we're starting to see in Europe and Asia, uh, glimpses of what that looks like. Um, as far as these areas of the world that, that, that preceded us that are starting to reopen, and they are none of them are reopening even 80 or 90 percent what the pre-COVID volume was. You're seeing them reopen 40, 50, 60 percent, and that's better than where we are now. But um, that's the big question: It's not just when do we reopen, but what does that look like? Um, how long does it take to get back to pre-COVID uh, levels as far as sales? Yeah, does you, have you had any conversations of a sort of timeline? What What's the kind of, what are people sort of saying this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, and from the state level too, that um, if the numbers hold, we, we certainly appear to be plateauing, but you can be at the top of that curve for a long time. It's not getting worse, but it's not necessarily getting better. So I think we're still at least a few days away before knowing that we're on the downside. Be, that'll have to be considered for sure. 
Yeah, everybody's going to have to stay creative. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I will. Uh, I'll let you get back to it, and uh, maybe I'll check in with you. Um, I'll check in with you next week again at some point, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you know. Hopefully, where we're at next week will be a little better. Where we're at this week. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Thanks for calling. All right, man. Thanks, Grant. All right. Bye.